Well, once again, it is great to see everyone out here on a Sunday morning. Uh, man, what a beautiful day it's already been. The weather has been incredible. I'm not really sure what's going on with the weather. It uh, gets to 32 some days and then 72 other days. I'm not sure how that works, but God knows, and, uh, and he's in control of it, too. So, um, pastor is obviously not here, and I'm filling his place today. He's actually in South Carolina, and he's preaching a missions conference out there in South Carolina, and he's been preaching all weekend. He preached Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday, all those, all those days. And so he's preaching today as well, and he'll be flying back tomorrow. So you continue to pray for Pastor and his trip out in South Carolina. I'm sure he's having a great time in South Carolina. I'm sure the weather is even better than Ohio, and I, I can just imagine whew, beaches and all that. So uh, great, great weather out in South, uh, South Carolina. I'm a little jealous of that. But um, anyway, if you would turn your Bible to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, in, uh, in my calendar, I put, uh, of course, Pastor would not be here this Sunday, and he won't be here next Sunday, and the following Sunday after that, there's going to be three weeks we'll, where he will be gone because of his Israel trip, and some of you know about that. And I'm praying about that. I appreciate it if you would pray for them as they go and walked where Jesus walked. I think that's probably one of the coolest things you could ever do in your Christian lifetime is walk where Jesus walked. Um, that is like mind blowing to me. I, I want to go to that place, pick up a sand and put it in a jar and just take it home with me because I just think it would be the coolest thing uh, to go to Israel. But um, it's funny, I had it on my calendar, and I've been joking around with Pastor for a while, that uh, Preston becomes head pastor starting October 23rd. So welcome. If you're new here, I'm the new head pastor, and I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, pastor is coming back, so don't worry. You don't have to listen to me over and over again. Um, he's going to have some preachers and some missionaries, and, and we'll have a great time. But let's be faithful to church, faithful to our place, and uh, I'm sure Pastor will appreciate it, and I, I will appreciate that as well. Um, well, I'd like to do this starting off in our Sunday school in the teen class. We actually just went through the entire book of Colossians. Now, the teens didn't know this, but I'm about to ask them to see if they can remember uh, some of the things we talked about. Well, first of all, the theme of Colossians is what we talked about was that Christ is There we go. Christ is enough. And then we went through each chapter and segments of the chapter and we said, well, what is Christ enough for? So, teens, I'm wondering if you guys could help me. Um, what is Christ enough for? The very first message we ever talked about, and I'm putting them on the spot, and they're nervous to talk out loud. So, Christ is enough for what? Salvation. Christ is enough for our salvation. Aren't you thankful for that? Christ is enough for what else? Creation. Jesus Christ created. He created the world. You can find that in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, he was before all things, and by him all things consist. I love that verse. And uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And, uh, and then it goes on in that John chapter 1 talks about that he created all things, and by him was not anything created that was created. And who is him? Jesus Christ. Christ is enough for creation, salvation. What else? To be rooted. To be rooted, grounded, grounded, settled in the Word of God. 
Jesus Christ is what we ought to ground ourselves in and get settled in. Man, stand firm about what you believe. Learn why you believe what you believe. What else, teens? This is great. I love this. For our walk of faith, the Bible says, as ye have received the Lord Jesus Christ, um, so walk ye in him. That verse was talking about how did you receive Christ? By faith. How should you continue to walk in him? By faith. Great, great time in Colossians. What else? Am I missing anything? We, we went through a lot of in Colossians. Our speech. God takes the tongue seriously. God takes the tongue seriously. And what we talk about matters to God. It says, let your, great, let your speech be always seasoned with grace. Right? And God takes our tongue and what we talk about seriously. God doesn't like the heart of a gossip. Speaks lies and gossip. And so um, many lessons that we've learned from Colossians. And well, they didn't say this one that we went through, but we learned that Christ was enough for peace. Christ is enough for peace. And I understand that Brother Mark Roger came in and just preached about peace, and I'm sure you can do a much better job than I can. But I want to take you to a different portion of Scripture. I, think, I believe that Colossians chapter 3 lays out a very clear and detailed outline of how we can have peace in our lives. Would you agree, church, that today we live in a nation that has lost its peace. It has anxiety, fears, doubts, questions that cannot be answered, and most importantly, we don't have peace. We're a nation and a country and, a, and many churches today do not have peace. Listen, Christians aren't guaranteed peace. Just because you are saved, it's not guaranteed that you can have peace. It, it requires something. It, it does require something. It requires a little bit of work. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse uh, 15. Colossians 3.15. Here's what it says in Colossians 3 and verse 15. It says, And let... And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which ye are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. But I want you to notice, what is the very first word of Colossians 3.15? Church, what is it with me on 3, 1, 2, 3? And. The word there is and. That means it's connecting to the verse before. And so if we go back to the beginning of Colossians chapter 3, we will figure out how do we and let the peace of God. How, does that, how do we get to and let the peace of God rule in your heart? How do we get to that part? Look at verse 1 in Colossians chapter 3. I love when the Bible outlines things for me because I'm a terrible outliner. And I love when the Bible just does it itself. And uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, look what it says in verse 1. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. I want you to notice the very first thing that we uh, notice in, very, in the very first verse, the word if. The Bible says, if ye be risen with Christ. You see, peace is not obtainable to the unsaved. We have a world in, a, in America and, and in this country and in this place that is without peace because we have a world that's lost. You cannot have peace 
without the source of peace, which is Christ Jesus. He is, what church, the prince of peace. You see, Christ is the center of peace. He is the source of peace. He's the reason we can have peace. But the Bible says, if ye be risen with Christ. If ye be risen with Christ. Peace is not obtainable to the unsaved. So first of all, the very first step in order for us to have peace, we must be saved. We must be saved. The very first thing that's saved, it says, if ye then be risen with Christ. You see, the world is a lost world. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all sinners today. We are still sinners today. And there is no peace for the lost soul. And it's our job to reach the lost and let them know that there is peace, but it's only through Christ. But they have to be saved. Do you have friends that are constantly anxious and worried and fearful and and all these things, do you find yourself being anxious and fearful? Well, friend, you have to be saved first. That's the very first step. We cannot ignore that salvation is necessary for peace. Salvation is necessary for peace. The Bible says that you can be risen with Christ. In John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But as many received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is possible, young Christian, it's possible for you to be saved. If you're here today and you have not ever accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you can have peace, but first, you have to be saved. You have got to be saved. Christian, if you're saved today, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you are saved sitting here on a Sunday morning at Anchor Baptist Church as a saved Christian, as a saved, born-again Christian, you are risen with Christ. So now this applies to us. If ye then be risen with Christ, what does it say? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on Things above, not on things on the earth. When we think of the word affection, we think about love, desire. Affection is something that you give yourself to. Affection is something that you love exceedingly. Affection is something that you give into. It's something that you pour yourself into. That's what that word affection means. So the Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Sadly, I think of a character, a story in the Bible, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, yet he got his focus off the Lord and on something earthly and worldly. Turn to 2 Samuel. Second Samuel chapter I've lost the chapter here. 
Verse 11. Sorry, chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. I was just giving you guys extra time. Chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see a man, a king named David. David was a good king. David was a great king. David was a godly man. But unfortunately, David fell. David fell at one point. And he, here he is, and David has just won a bunch of wars, and he's uh, killing the Amalekites and all these different people groups, and their, their nation's victorious, and he's a victorious king. He's living in victory, and he's doing great. The King David, he's doing awesome. Until one day in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, it says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when the kings go forth to battle, this is when kings were supposed to go to battle. When kings were supposed to go to battle, David's in his bed. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. And, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Here he is. David's not in his place. David's not in his correct place. He should have been at battle, but he tarried at Jerusalem. And look at verse 2. It says, And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So here we have a man. He was focused on Christ. He was winning victories. He's a victorious man. And yet, he allowed his affection to go from God to a woman. He allowed his affection. The Bible says he inquired after the woman. He inquired that they would grab her and take her in for himself. So here David is. He's not in his right place. And he's in Jerusalem. He gets off his bed probably because he can't sleep because he's not doing anything. And he can't sleep. He gets up and he looks out and he sees this woman washing herself. And he sets his affection on it. He says, I want that. And you know the story. Bathsheba comes to David and says, David, I'm with a child. And David gets scared. And he says, no, I, 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 can't. I can't let other people know about this. This is crazy. So he says, Uriah, come here, the, the husband of Bathsheba. And he says, Uriah, why don't you take a break from the field? Why don't you go and spend time with your wife? David thinks, well, if, if Uriah just doesn't know about it, and, and they'll just, you know, they'll, they'll be fine together, and, and it will be fine. And Uriah, you just take a break. You take your time. You, you, you go spend time with your wife. I'm giving you a vacation from, from the battle zone. And so in an attempt to cover up David's sin with Bathsheba, his affection that was caused by his affection, he, he asked Uriah to sit here and, and go spend time with your wife. What does Uriah do? He falls asleep at the king's gate and he wakes up in the morning. And David comes out and sees him laying there sleeping on the ground. And Uriah says to David, David, how, how can I sleep? There's a battle going on. David, how could I... How could I go spend time with my wife? My brothers and sisters are currently in war. Like, no, David, I, I'm, I'm disregarding your vacation. I, I, will, I will sit here and I will be ready to serve. Uriah was a good man. Uriah was, was a man with character. And all because David set his affection on Bathsheba. 
David set his affection on the things of earth. And now David's lying to Uriah, and now he's going to become a murderer. David says, why don't you go into battle, Uriah? And so David comes up with a new plan, and he tells all of his people, send Uriah to the front lines, send Uriah to the front lines, and then when no one's looking, back out and leave him there. Uriah goes out to the front lines as a good man, a man with character and a godly man. He stands out there at the front lines, ready to fight. And then he looks behind him, and he's defenseless. He's out there alone, and the army kills him. Uriah dies. And now David sits in his palace, and he goes, Glad that's covered. Glad that's covered. Glad nobody saw that happen. I'm glad nobody saw my sin. And it's all because David set his affection on the things of earth. After this, David was not a man of peace. After this, David was not a man of peace. No, he was far from it. He was distressed, trying to cover up his sin. So David's sitting here and he's like, thank goodness I got that covered. But now David has lied, cheated, and murdered. Men, we ought to stay pure to our wives. This is a side note, but men, we ought to stay pure to our wives. We ought to watch what we're setting our affection on. Ladies, stay pure to your husbands. We ought to watch what our eyes are seeing. We ought to watch what our affection is set on. And so the very first thing that Colossians says, and you can turn back there to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, and all this great tragedy happens in a few moments, all because David set his affection on the wrong thing. And I don't know what exactly it might be in your life. It may be a woman. It may be a man. It may be the newest gadget. It may be the wrong music. It might be the wrong TV shows in your home. It may be the wrong, the wrong stuff in your house. It may be that, but what are you setting your affection on? Is it the Lord? You see, David had his focus on the Lord. He had his affection on the Lord. And the moment he took it off, look how much damage it caused. He was a man without peace. He was a man without peace. And we wonder why today, God, why don't I have peace, God? Why... I should be the most peace-filled person. I am a Christian, and I should be the most peace-filled Christian. I should be that, right? But when we don't even have our affection set on God, and we have our affection set on everything worldly, I'm talking about the wrong music. I'm talking about living to buy the, the newest car. I, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to have new gadgets. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a new car. I like those things, too. But what's your affection on? What do you desire more than anything else? Because if there's anything else other than God that you desire, then it just might be worldly. It just might be worldly. And if your affection is not on things above and things on earth, you're going to have a hard time finding peace. You're going to have a hard time finding peace. Because your affection is set on the wrong things.
Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If you then be risen with Christ, you must be saved. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Folks, we ought to live with a Holy Spirit conviction that our desire, our number one desire, is on things above. Live for the eternal. Don't live for the earthly. We're here for such a short time. Life is but a vapor, and you ought to live it, living your life for the eternal things of this life. Eternal value. Eternal blessings. That's what we should live for. And that's what the Bible says. You want to have peace? Set your affection on things above. Set your affection on things above. What else? What else does Colossians 3 lay out for us? How can we have peace? Okay, we set our affection on things above. Now what? Well, verse 5. Colossians 3, verse 5. Mortify... Therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deed. And have put, go, uh, sorry, verse 9 there. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deed. So what else here? We, we have established, okay, I need to be saved. How do I have peace? I need to be saved. How do I have peace? You need to set your affection on things above. But also, you need to kill the old man. You need to kill the old man. The Bible says in verse 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And then he lists everything that the old man did. Mortify. That word mortify means to, to destroy. You need to destroy the old man out of your life. You need to get rid of the tolerance to sin. It says there to mortify it. Um, in, let's go to verse, let's go to Psalm 51. Psalm chapter 51. You ask, how, how do I mortify the old man? How do I destroy the old man? How do I get rid of the old man? How do I get it out of my life? How do I get sin and anger and malice and all these, these hurtful things? How do I get it out of my life? Thankfully, David shows us. Look at Psalm 51 and verse 1. If you notice, right before verse 1, there might be a little indicator of that verse, of why it's being written or where it was written. If you look right in between the chapter and the first verse, it says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. So this is after the sin of Bathsheba. This is after the fact that David had lost his peace. This is after this fact. 
Psalm 51 verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me for my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. David comes before God and he says, God, I am wrong. God, I, I am sinful. God, I, I have done wrong and I've only done it against you. There's no one else I've done it against except for you. God, I am sinful. God, I am a transgressor. I am guilty, God. God, I am guilty. And what is David doing? He's acknowledging his sin. He says in verse 3, he says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David comes before God and he has to acknowledge his sin. You see, sometimes we get used to things really quickly. I, this is a pretty gross illustration. But anybody like the smell of skunks? No? Is it just me? In New York, we had a lot of skunks um, in the countryside of New York. We, every time to church, literally every single time, there would be some dead skunk or some skunk that had just sprayed in the area. And on the way to church, it would just waft into the vents of the car. And many of you know what I'm talking about. You've smelled the skunk before. Many of you probably think, that smells absolutely disgusting and awful, right? And then, you know, I've grown up with that smell my entire life. I notice it a whole lot less than you do. I, ho- I notice it a whole lot less than you do. Why? Because my nostrils have, been, have, be- have become comfortable with the smell. My nostrils have been, become comfortable, and, and now it's at the point where I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad, actually. <laughs> I'm not saying I enjoy it. I'm saying I can deal with it, and I tolerate it, right? My wife was in the car, and she said, Preston, what is that smell? And I thought it was me at first, but it was, it was a skunk. And I had gotten so desensitized to it, I had gotten so used to it, I had gotten so comfortable with it that I didn't even recognize that it was there. And some of us, have had the old man in our life and the sin for so long that it's gotten comfortable. And the problem is not that we don't have sin because we do, it's the fact that we don't acknowledge it. We've gotten comfortable with it. You see, the old man keeps creeping up back in our lives and it's done it so much and you're so used to it and it's not that you enjoy it, but you just don't mind You just don't mind the sin in your life. Because you've gotten so comfortable with toying and tolerating sin in your life that you can't even acknowledge that the old man is still there. People, if you want to have peace, if you want to have peace with God, then you need to acknowledge that there is an old man living inside you that you need to put off and mortify and destroy. But the problem is we won't acknowledge it. We won't acknowledge the way David acknowledges sin. God, I acknowledge my transgressions. 
My sin is ever before me. But when we come to God, we say, God, I'm, I'm pretty good. God, there's not much I need to do in my life. There's not, I don't have much sin. God, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing just fine. But the problem is, we've gotten too comfortable with the old man. The problem is, we've gotten way too comfortable with the old man. Turn, hold your finger in Psalm 51, turn back to Colossians. Chapter 3. You say, well, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm doing just fine. I don't have transgressions. I, I'm a good person. Colossians 3, verse 8. Why don't we go back to verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Have you ever coveted before? God says if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on children of disobedience, in which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now also put off this. You ready? Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. What do you talk about at work? What jokes do you laugh with at work? What are we... What do we sound like? Are we angry people? Are we angry people? You see, God wants you to acknowledge the old man. Because you can't get rid of the old man unless you acknowledge that he's there. I would dare say that no one's perfect. And I would also dare say that many people struggle with the old man. But just because we struggle with the old man doesn't mean we shouldn't acknowledge it. We need to acknowledge our sin before God. Turn back to Psalm 51. David says in Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge mine iniquity, and, and cleanse me from, uh, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. You know what it is? David is coming to the Lord. How, how do you get rid of the old man? How do you get rid of the old man? First, you've got to acknowledge it, but then you've got to repent. That's how you destroy it. And it might be day after day. You ever told God, God, I won't do that anymore, and then the very next moment you do it again? You ever done that? You've got to go back to God, and you've got to repent and get it right again. It's daily. It's not weekly. It's not monthly, it's not yearly, it's daily. And we have to go back to God and say, God, my sin is ever before me. 
Lord, forgive me. We have to repent. How do you get rid of the old man? How do I have peace? How, how can I have peace in this world? How can I have peace in this trying time? Set your affection on things above if you be risen with Christ. Set your affections on things above and destroy the old man. Destroy the old man. Mortify it. Kill it. Get rid of it. Repent. Repent. Turn back to Colossians chapter 3. David has this great sin before the Lord. He set his affection on the things of earth, got himself in deep trouble and deep sin. And he's not a peace-filled man. And he comes before God. He says, God, I acknowledge my sin. I know, I know I'm wrong, God. I know I'm wrong, God. And he acknowledges the old man and he repents of it. He says, wash me, God. Get rid of the old man from inside me. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 10. We know that we should be saved, set our affection on things above, destroy the old man, but lastly, put on the new man. Verse 10 says, And I put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. God created this new man in you. Verse 11 says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, Bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, verse 12, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You see, it's not enough to just repent and go back and do the same thing. I said it before, but I'll say it again. How many times have you told God and come to him and said, God, I am done. I, I am done doing this. I, I will not do this anymore. I, I, I've promised God this before. Anybody been there? Where you promise God something, God, I won't touch that. I won't look at this. I won't do this. I, I won't, God. I, I just won't. I'll repent it and get it right right now, and it will be fine. And then what do we do the next day, the next hour, the next minute? We go back to it. Why? Because you never replaced it with the new man. You see, if you just get rid of the old man and you never put anything in its spot, that old man's just going to take his spot right back. That old man is comfortable. That old man is comfortable. It's like, could you picture an older gentleman on a recliner and he has his spot worn out, worn down into the seat and you know it's his spot. You don't touch dad's chair. Don't sit on dad's chair. That's dad's chair. That old man, you kick him out of that chair, two minutes later he's going to be back in that chair. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You try to get that man out of that chair, it's no work. He, he's going to come back. He'll, come, he'll go to get some food and come right back. That's his chair. And we ought to be careful to allow a spot back for the old man. Next time that old man gets up, throw out the chair. Throw out the chair. Throw out the chair and put in a new one. Replace the bad with the good. 
Because if you replace the bad with nothing, bad will come back. If you replace the bad with nothing, the bad will come back. That old man will come back to haunt you and to torment you, and he's going to ruin your life and steal your peace. He's going to steal your peace from you. You ought to be angry at this old man for coming into your home and stealing your peace that God wants you to have. So you need to throw it out, get rid of the sin in your life, and do it over and over again because you're going to have to. Repent, 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 and again, and again, and again, but replace it with meekness, charity, love, the new man. You need to replace it with the new man. How much new man is in your life? Could this define you? Could somebody read this and say, oh, that's, that's just like, or that's, I know a guy who's, who, who sounds just like that. Verse 10 says, and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, uh, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. Do you have bitterness against somebody? I'm sorry, but you won't have peace. For as long as you have bitterness towards someone, you won't have peace. You can't have peace. Because bitterness and peace cannot coexist. Bitterness and peace cannot coexist in your heart. Forgiving one another, if any man has quarrel against you, any, even as Christ forgave you. The Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. When I was God's enemy, when I was God's, uh, when I was the wicked one, when I was a sinner, when I did wrong against God, God had every single reason. David even said, you, you can judge me, God. You have all, all the reason to, to give me the worst punishment right now. When I was the enemy of God, when I deserved it, when I deserved the punishment, God had every reason to be bitter against me. You think about that. God had every single reason to be bitter against us. Yet he hangs on a cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He had every reason to be bitter against the very people who crucified him, which was you, which was us. And he had every single reason to be bitter against them. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them what they, they know not what they do, God. And so, if you have bitterness towards someone, you can't have peace. Verse 13, for, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We're almost there. Turn to Psalm 51 last time. Psalm 51.
David loses his peace. He sets his affection on things of the earth. He sins, try to cover it up. He's, he's brokenhearted, without peace. He's distressed. He says, God, what do I do? I, my sin is ever before thee. I, I'm repenting, God. I'm repenting. Look at verse 12 of Psalm 51. Verse 10. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. You see, David could not have the joy of his salvation restored until he got rid of the old man. You see, David replaced those transgressions, those sins, with the new man, the, the joy of his salvation. The joy of his salvation. So church people, what I'm saying today is if you feel like you've messed up, if you feel like you're in sin right now, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today and set your affection on things above. Peace is available to you. You need to set your affection on things above and you need to get rid of the old man in your life and acknowledge the old man in your life. And you need to replace it with the joy of salvation. You need to replace it with the joy of salvation. He says, create in me, O God. Create in me, O God, a, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, the new man. Renew, renew a, night, a right spirit within me. Oh God, please. We ought to be coming to God every day, praising him for his name and praising him for his goodness and his offer of forgiveness every day because we're sinners. We mess up. We get it wrong. We're awful people. We really are. But God forgives and he puts a new spirit in you. And we ought to live in that new man. We ought to live in that new man. Turn back to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 14. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I love that verse. God says, all this new man, this mercy and love in your life and, and these good things that I want you to, to put on, this new man, above everything, above everything, put on charity. Put on love, because without it, you're nothing. Because without it, you're nothing. We learned that even in Sunday school. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, I could do all these wonderful things, say all these wonderful things, but without love, I'm nothing. I am nothing. You're just sound if you speak without love. And so he says, and above all these things, put on love. Verse 14, which is the bond of perfectness. And then we finally get back to our verse. And it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called into one body, and be thankful. I'll finish out these verses 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do you realize how beautiful that verse is? I'll read it again. Let the word of Christ, the Bible, the word of God, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When pastor is up here saying, get godly music in your home, this is what he's talking about. Man, fill your home up with spiritual music. Fill your house up with spiritual songs and singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I believe that Colossians 3 shows a pretty simple outline of how we can know we can have peace. The very first thing is you must be saved. You must be saved. And if you're here today and you say, well, I don't have peace. I don't have peace. Are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Because you cannot have peace without the source of peace. He is the never-ending source of peace. You have to be saved. Number two, you've got to set your affection on things above. Because that's where you'll find true joy. That's where you'll find true joy and peace. You need to get rid of the old man and acknowledge the old man and get rid of him. And lastly, you need to put on the new man. Restore unto me, O oh God, the joy of my salvation. Have you lost your joy? Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Does it not ignite you or fire you up when you think about what God has done for you? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And then it says, and let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it be your master. Let it rule in your life. Let it control you. Let the peace of God just come over you God says he'll give us a peace that passeth all understanding. Let it rule in your life. I'm not worried. How are you not worried? I have the peace of God. I'm not stressed. Why? How, how are you not stressed? I, I have God. I've got God. I've got the Lord on my side. I've got the Lord Jesus Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Put off the old man put on the new man. That's how we have peace. That's how you have peace. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would give us your overwhelming peace, God. God, I pray that there's sin in our lives that we're not acknowledging. God, I pray that you would bring it to our, our sight. God, bring it before us and, and show us what we need to get right with you. God, I pray that you would touch the hearts of the hearers today, Lord. If there's someone longing for peace, Lord, I pray that this message specifically would be a help to their heart. So, God, I pray in your precious, beautiful, and powerful name, I pray you do something great and mighty right now in this place. I pray this all in your precious, beautiful name, Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand to our feet, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, the altar is open. 
Let's just be honest between you and God. Do I have peace? Do I let the peace of God rule my heart? Or maybe there's some things... Maybe we need to get the old man out. The altar is open. If God spoke to your heart, I encourage you to use it. You can make an altar there in your heart. Just take some time between you and the Lord. Maybe ask God, God, if there's sin that I'm not acknowledging, show me. That can be scary to pray. If we just come before God and just be honest. God, am I am I missing something? We need to get it right. God show me. Do you have your peace? Do you have your joy?